We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church Podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to today's message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. Now here's Pastor Muta. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 through 9 we're going to be in. We're in this series called Different. So we've been studying through the book of Ephesians. The first part of Ephesians is talking about how we're chosen by God. It's the theological aspect of our life here on earth. How God chooses us, draws us close to each other through his love and his grace. And then as we get into chapter 5, we start uh, hearing about how we need to live a different life according to this love and grace that we've received from God. And so now we're in this series called Different, and it's, it, we're talking about how to live out a different life in this world, how to live differently. And in the last two uh, messages, well, in the last message, we talked about relationships and how relationships have been under attack since the beginning of time. Uh, we saw that initially the first relationship that I was attacked was between God and man. And then it quickly escalated between a man and his spouse. And then we see, if you continue on into the Bible, you see uh, relationships uh, are attacked between brothers who are coming against each other. And that leads to now societal breakdown. And so what we're studying through right now is Paul is beginning to encourage the Ephesian church who he's talking to and saying, listen, if you want humanity to be better, if you want to experience harmony in your relationships and in your life, you're going to have to live differently, think differently, and do some different things. You can't let society dictate who you are. You can't let uh, culture dictate how you live. You're going to have to live differently. See, it's, it's not going to take money, education, or legislation to fix what's broken in humanity. No matter how much we want to get into politics and say this president is doing right, this president is doing wrong, at the end of the day, there is no legislation, there's no governmental power, there's no education system that is going to fix humanity. It is nothing but the grace of God and him regenerating us from the inside out touching the core hearts of man and woman and child. So today we close this section of bringing harmony in relationship. And this is the simple question that I want us to ask. As we go through this, I hope this is a running narrative inside of your head. And as we get to the end, we're going to kind of encapsulate it. This is what, if you want to bring harmony in this world, last week we talked about if you want to bring harmony in your marriage relationship, you've got to let God take the lead. Got to let God take the lead. Now, if you want to bring relationship harmony between parents and children, between humanity, between bosses and, and employees, you've got to ask the question, what would God say about what, how I'm living? What would God say about how I'm interacting with people? So let's jump into verse 1 through 3. This is talking specifically to children. 
So he begins, Paul, who's writing this text, as he's talking to the Ephesian church. Now, mind you, this is kind of the context that is, is taking place right now. He's written this letter. Paul has planted all these churches, and he's giving these letters as encouragement, as teaching to the local church. And so just like in here, there's parents sitting down, there's children sitting down. Everybody's kind of mixed up. There's young, old, young at heart. There's people who are listening to Paul's word. And this is what he says. He opens up verse 1. Children obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Parents, we got something for you too, so don't get too excited. (laughs) Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So he comes to the children. Paul talks directly to the children. He's not even like, I'm not even going to tell your parents to go tell you to obey. I'm just going to tell you flat out, just like pastors telling you today, obey your parents. (laughs) Obey them. Yes. I see everybody got smirk on their face. Hallelujah. Yes. Obey your parents. Do what they tell you to do. Do it. Do it as if. It was God himself saying, do this. He says, obey, (laughs) children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. In the Lord is the qualifier, parents. Obey as if it is God telling you to obey. And so this is really, this, this statement is talking about in the context of a Christian household. This is saying, if your parents are believers, they love Jesus, they follow Jesus, you see them modeling God, godliness in their life, whatever they tell you to do, whatever it is, just do it. Because it's coming from God. Just obey them. Now, again, we go back to that qualifier as if it is the Lord telling you, in the Lord. And this is the challenge to students and any other students sitting in here. How would you know if it's from the Lord if you don't know the word yourself? He doesn't give any pass to students to say, hey, listen, my parents are Christian, so I'll let them do their Christian thing, and I'll just do what they tell me to do because they're Christian, and I'm just going to follow them. Paul's saying, listen, I'm telling you to obey your parents. Make sure you know the word so that whatever your parents tell you to do, you have no room to disagree because you're saying, that's true. That's what it says in Scripture. So I can follow that. He's not given a pass here where it says, do everything that it tells you to do, whether it's godly or not. And for some of us, anybody in here just want to admit your parents have given you some bad advice? Don't get yourself in trouble. (laughs) But here's the deal. He's not giving a pass and saying, listen, uh, I I don't want you to get to the end of time. And God says, why did you do this? And you say, well, my parents told me to do it. Pastor said obey the word. And um, uh, Ephesians, Paul tells us just to obey. 
He says, ask to the Lord. That means you have to be in scripture yourself. You have to be learning yourself. You have to be washing yourself with the word too so that when your parents come up to you, you'll be able to understand that the spirit in which they're telling me this thing is actually of God. How do we know? Look at 1 Corinthians 2.14. It says, the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God. That's why a lot of us made stupid decisions when we were young because we're too stuck in the natural person. We were so caught up with culture. We were so caught up with what our friends wanted to do, what our friends were doing. He says, the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit for they are folly to him. So if, you, if your parents have ever told you to do something, you're like, man, that's stupid. Why would I do that? The natural person sees what their parents say, that spiritual, as dumb. And he is not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. Children, if you are going to obey your parents, if you are going to hear the word of your parents and you want to follow them and honor them well, don't rely on their faith. You got to start building yours as well. Because when it gets to the end of time, God is not going to say, hey, what did mom and dad teach you? He's going to say, what did you learn? What, what relationship did we have? And here, here, here goes the deal. He says, it is right. They're older. They're wiser. It's, they've had more experience than us. So we need to give our parents a little bit more respect and a little bit more, you know what? Maybe you've been around a little bit longer than I have, and I'm just going to go with it. I'm just going to hear what you have to say. And I love uh, this, this statement by, uh, by a writer who says, uh, disobedience will lead to your disgrace. I am a living example. So many times I've made bad decisions following my own desire, following what my friends said, following what culture said, and I found myself disgraced, sad, and coming back to my parents with tail between my legs. And there's another statement here that says, listen, disobedience is rebellion against God. You think you're just, if you're sneaking out of the house or sneaking certain things or doing this and doing that, you think that, oh, you're just pulling a wool over mom and dad's eyes? No, disobedience is rebellion against God because he's put them in your life as God on earth for you. He goes on, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Honor, this literally just means respect, love, care. Think highly of them in terms of they're your parent. You, you, you've got to show honor to them. You've got to bring honor to them. And, and so if there's somebody in here who says, well, my parents aren't Christians, well, my parents do some crazy things. My, par- my parents cuss me out all the time. My parents are doing, living life that I know is not right. Notice he didn't say here, honor as to the Lord. He just says, honor your parents. He says, obey as in the Lord, but honor them, period. Period. 
So there's a story in scripture, uh, a guy named um, Noah, he had a few sons and he gets this vineyard and he builds this vineyard and he goes and he gets drunk. And he ends up getting naked and he's like laying on the ground naked. And one of his sons, Ham, goes to his brothers and he's like, oh my gosh, dude, mom, dad is so drunk right now. Look, he's naked. He is passed out. Oh my gosh, he is like trashed. But then his other brothers, Shem and Japheth, is like, dude, what are you doing? This is our father. And so what they do is they get a cover and they go into the cave where the father is laying and they go backwards. They don't even, they don't even look at him because they don't want to bring any type of shame to their father. And they put the cover over him and then they walk away and they speak nothing of this again. And some of us are so quick to put our parents on blast. Man, my mom, you should hear how she talked to me. You know, my, my, my parents, they just, they just, they argue all the time. Listen, honor your parents that it may be well with you. It doesn't matter whether what they do is wrong. It doesn't matter how, how crazy they are, how dysfunctional they are. They are still your parents. And adults, the same thing for us too, because we got parents who are crazy too. We got moms that we're like, we got to get you in a nursing home because you have lost your mind. Honor your father and mother. Adults, you're still children if you've got a parent living. Honor your father and mother so that it may go well with you, that you may live long in the land. It, this is based off of the fifth commandment. And these two blessings are totally attached to the way we treat our parents, to the way we treat those who've gone before us. It will go well with you, and you will live long in the land. And this live long does not mean you will have a lot of years. It means your quality of life is going to be impacted in a good way. It doesn't mean you're going to live until 120 years old. It means that the... 50, 60, 70, 80 years that you do live, for some, 20 years are going to be some of the greatest years because God is going to bless your honor on your parents. Point number one. Children, obedience is expected. Meaning, as you read scripture yourself, as you get to know what the word says yourself and your parents give you advice, tell you what to do, you obey because it's expected. You know the word, you're affirming the word, but honor is mandatory whether or not they're following Jesus or not. Whether or not you like what they say or not. All right, verse four, let's move forward. Verse four. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Colossians 3.21 says this. It adds this statement. It says, lest there be discouraged. Don't discourage your kids. Don't provoke your kids to the point that they get angry or they get discouraged. Provoking to anger, disappointment. A couple of ways that we can look at this. Let's just look at this practically. Favoritism. Some of us who've got multiple kids, we've got a kid that we do like a lot. But how are we showing that to the rest of the children? 
blaming versus encouraging. You always do that. You can't ever get it right. You always mess up. See, that's your problem. This was one of the most convicting parts of the scripture to me. I can be very harsh. I can be very straight and cut, and I'm like, hey, I'm just holding you accountable. I'm just raising you right. Being overly harsh. Making promises that we don't keep. Making light of their problem. Oh, you're young. (laughs) You'll get it when you get older. They may be 20 years old. They may be 25 years old. And we're looking at them like, ah, you, you still got law to live. Wait till you're my age. Ah, that thing right there, it's not that big of a deal. Boyfriend, girlfriend, breakup, ah, it's not issue. There's going to be more to come. Making light of them. He says, fathers and mothers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bring them up in the Discipline and instruction, this, this word bring them up is the same word that, that we used uh, last week when the husbands were supposed to, they say like, no one hates their body that they don't nourish it. This bring them up means nourishing, growing, helping cultivate a healthiness to our children. And this is more than food and shelter, parents. This is emotionally and spiritually. We are supposed to be nourishing our children. I don't care if they're 12 or 28 or 32. Parents, we are supposed to be nourishing our children. Not only food shelter, by the time they're out of their house, we don't provide food shelter anymore. But we can do it emotionally and we can do it spiritually. We can continue to wash them with water of the word like it said last time. But this word discipline, at first glance, somebody in here is like, yes, discipline those kids. That's what it means. The Bible says, spare the rod, hate the child. It's true. It says that. This can also mean that. Uh, Proverbs 13, 24, I'll just go through a couple of texts. It says, whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Yeah, we agree with that. Listen, I am not one of those pastors. I am not one of those people. Judge me. Some of you guys may not come back to church. Who's like, hey, you know, when your kids act up, just, you know, just, just talk real softly to them. Get down to their level and be just so calm and kind. Listen, sometimes that doesn't work. And you need to make a swift shift. If a child, I've always heard this example. If a child is about to touch a hot plate, what are you going to do? Say, hey, now listen, let's talk about what we're going to do. You are going to smack their hand away. And some of our kids are going through mess because we have failed to discipline them when they were younger. I just read a story about a, a, a kid in New York, graduates college, graduates summa cum laude. His parents are like, okay, you've graduated college. It's time to get a job. We're taking the allowance away. He gets mad, and he murders his children. God didn't beat that child when he was young. Because all of a sudden, he's developed some sort of entitlement that you're supposed to take care of me. You're supposed to do these things. And sometimes we're developing these, these, these just, just spoiled brats, period. Hebrews 12, 6 says this, The Lord corrects the children he loves and disciplines those he calls his own. 
You know, it's like, a, it's like a shepherd. When they're tending sheep, they've got the rod. The rod does a couple of things. It knocks the sheep back in order, but it also guides them. That's why it has the hook. It grabs it by the neck and pulls it. You're supposed to go this way. And, and sure, this word discipline does, yes, hold our children accountable. Let's take care of this. Let's make sure that we're not just letting them get away with anything. But parents, now this one's for us. See, the word discipline, the way it's used here, is very different. It's not talking about spanking our kids or chastising them or beating them. Yes, that's part of the, that's part of the relation, but it means this. It's on the screen. Discipline is paideia. It means the whole training and education of children, which uh, relates to the cultivations of minds and morals. And notice Paul uses this word before he talks about instruction. This discipline is called modeling. You have, can I say it? You have no right to enforce something on your children that you're not living. You know, my father modeled this so well. You know, I have to admit, you know, my father, you know, he's, you know, I've, I've picked up some crazy things from my dad, but I also saw some amazing things from my dad. My dad modeled godliness to me. I've, I've never seen a man pray more than my father. I've never seen a man love his family more than my father. In fact, he loves his family so much that I found out some stuff later on in my life that made me respect him to even a greater deal because I was like, now this is godliness. I saw my father uh, not only work hard in life, but I saw my father work hard in teaching us the word, not only through verbally, but with the way he lived his life. He honored my mother. He loved my mother. He prayed for my mother. He prayed for our kids. He encouraged us to come and have worship with him. And you know what? When we were rebellious and we were like, hey, we don't want to do worship, he would still go downstairs, sit down, open up the hymn book, and begin to sing all by himself, him and my mom. And as we're upstairs in the kitchen, whatever, not trying to be involved in any of that, I could hear him praying for us, not condemning us. I just pray life over my children. I pray, God, that they become everything that you've called them to be. I pray, Lord, that you just release a spirit of blessing over my children like no one has ever uh, understood. My father modeled this so well. He's saying, come and instruct the kids, uh, raising them up. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Teach them the word after you've lived the word. We can't come to our kids and say, you've got to do this, you've got to do this, you've got to do this. And they're looking at us like, you won't do that. Well, you know, when you go through things, you got to pray. I don't know the last time I saw you praying. Well, I don't pray in public. Well, how the heck am I going to learn to pray? Hey, uh, uh, you know, uh, you need God in your life. But how come every time I get into the car, you're always listening to something crazy? You listen to the same stuff I listen to. See, our obligation, and, and some, somebody here is like, listen, I've, I've lived and I've modeled well, and I'm doing right by my kids, but for some reason they're not listening. 
I've lived the life. I've tried to be authentic. I've tried to be real. I, and and they're, just, they're just not listening. They're just kind of doing their own thing, and they're going their own way. Here, listen, our obligation is to teach. The Holy Spirit's job is to interpret and convict. All we do is teach. All we do is come alongside and say, listen, I'm just going to love you through this. I'm just going to pray for you. I'm going to model it. But at the end of the day, it's the Holy Spirit's job to uh, interpret and convict. Kids may not listen, but they will hear. They will hear. And I, I am a living example of that. Like I told you guys last week, half the times I did the dirt that I used to, I never felt comfortable doing the dirt because I was too busy singing Bible songs in my head. I was remembering one of my, the lessons that my parents taught me. All right, let's get, get through this quick. See if we can get this in the next five, six minutes. Point number two. That's, a, that's pastor talk right there. Five, six minutes mean another 10, 15. Um, <laughs> point number two. Parents, behavior is modeled first, taught second. Behavior is modeled first and taught second. Then he goes on to now the relationship. He's moved past uh, relationships with children and parents. Now he's going to bond servants and masters or employees and employers. He says, bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bond servant or he is free. Bond servant, he's talking about this group of uh, individuals who were, who were slaves in this culture. In Ephesus, uh, the place that he's teaching, there was one-third of the population were slaves. And the crazy thing about it is the slave masters, the masters uh, had all law and authority to discipline and take out and kill slaves that were unruly. They could do whatever. They had all authority. And so now he begins to tell these Christian slaves, people who've come to faith in Jesus, he says, listen, obey your earthly masters. You have a God in heaven, who's your ultimate master, but you've got to obey your earthly masters. And we can relate this into employee and employee relations to this day. These slaves had limited rights. They were easily abused and taken advantage of, much like the American population of the workforce nowadays. Employers enforce certain things on us and require certain things of us. And the reality is, listen, I need to pay my bills. So I'm just going to have to deal with it. I'm, I'm just going to have to take it. But here goes the deal. I, I just want to make this clarity right here. Me and Pastor D were talking about this. Paul is not condoning slavery. In fact, what he's doing, he's shifting the game, and he's shifting the way these Christian slave masters and these Christian slaves thought so much, though, that eventually the entire infrastructure fell apart. Because there's no way. There's no way a, a Christian slave master would be able to treat them like, like, like they were just the scum of the earth. Because at the end of the day, they all served one master. He knew that he had somebody else to answer to. So the more he treated his slaves kindly, the more the sli- slaves treated him with respect and honor. It was just kind of like, why the heck are we doing this anyway? You Just go about your way. And so eventually, the entire infrastructure ended. 
But he's saying, and this is the same thing that we can learn in our jobs every single day. He says, listen, obey them with fear and trembling. Our employers, our bosses, listen, we may not like them. We may think they're idiots. We may think that this the wrong person over me today. But the reality is you're not serving them. You're serving God. You're not serving your earthly uh, master. You're not serving your earthly employer. You're serving the king of kings. So he's like, listen, don't just do it while they're watching. Be accountable. Have integrity in through your whole job because it all matters. Everything that you're doing, wherever you're at, wherever you're at in your job, do it with an integrity, with respect and with honor, not just with tolerance. I'm just going to tolerate him right now. I'm going to tolerate her because really I can't stand them. I can do this job better than them. Listen, I don't know if I put this up on this quote, but uh, Christians are not in jobs to work for their earthly employers, but in service of Christ, making much of Christ, advancing the kingdom of God, and loving people to life on their jobs. So he gives three reasons of why you need to obey your earthly masses, why, three reasons why you can't just do it through lip service. One, ultimately, you're serving Christ. The best way to witness is doing a good job. Hey, everybody there, if they know you're a Christian, I hope they know you're a Christian. I hope they know you're a Christian on your job. The best way to witness is to do a stand-up job. So that they're like, man, those Christians, man, I know one thing about them. I may not believe like they believe, but they work hard. And they're awesome. They're pleasant people. They're polite Man, even when I'm a jerk to them, they're so kind to me. I don't understand this. Number two, doing a good job is the will of God, and so it becomes all life becomes worship. It's the will of God. So all life becomes worship. My job becomes worship. There's no sacred or secular anymore. It's not about, hey, uh, pastors have this job. People who work for the church have this nice holy job in this area. No, my job is a holy environment because God has placed me there. So I need to see it as all life is worship. I've got to do the will of God. And the third thing here is, uh, what does he say? He says, um, knowing whatever good anyone does, he will receive back from the Lord, whether he's a bondservant or free. You will reap what you sow. God is not partial. Whatever you do on your job, you're going to reap what you sow. And and let's be real. If we're jerks to our bosses, we may get fired. We reap what we sow. If we do great, we're going to get an earthly reward here. But most of all, God in heaven is going to give us a heavenly reward. He's going to be the one to provide us blessings. So listen, I want to give some encouragement to employers right here, and especially for those individuals who have a desire, because we have here in this church people who have a desire to be in vocational ministry. Can I give you all some encouragement? Can I give you some? God has you where you are for a reason right now. He's going to provide that door. He's going to just continue to honor him, continue to be that light in your job, and he's going to provide that role. Listen, point number three, employees. My job is not a means to an end. It's a pathway to someone's eternity. God has me in this role because there's somebody he wants to impact. 
The reason that he's put a Christian in that company is because there's people in that place, whether it's customers, whether it's other co-workers, whether it's your bosses, that he wants to lead close to him. And you may be the tour guide on that pathway back to Christ. Verse 9. Masters, do the same to them. Stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours in heaven, that there's no partiality with them. Masters, do the same to them. If you expect, and this is for all the people here who oversee people, any supervisors, any bosses, any company owners, any business leaders in this space, if you expect the best from your employees, provide them the best. Treat them right. Uh, the worst statement an employee can ever make about you is, my boss is supposed to be a Christian, but you wouldn't be able to tell. See, like I said, the Roman masters had the power and law on their side to kill rebellious slaves. So they use fear as a motivator. Fear is the worst motivator. Fear is the worst motivator. It's the worst motivator with church. It's the worst motivator as parents. And it's the worst motivator as leaders. You know what it leads to? It leads to divisiveness. Not only are you potentially breaking down somebody to the point where you are dehumanizing them, but it also leads to developing a spirit of divisiveness that will end up either ruining you or ruining everything that you're attached to. Because humanity, when you push them against the wall, they'll bite. But just and fair treatment builds bridges. God sent Jesus Christ not to scare us to heaven. But to motivate us that there is a better way. That we could actually become everything that he's called us to be. That with him living inside of our lives, we will be changed. And that he gives one a final warning and he says, listen, both you and your servant, employer, boss, leader, both you and your employee, parent, both you and your child, you all have the same master. And you have to recognize that you're a servant too. That you need to be under obedience as well too. And here's the deal. Um, I read this book called Spiritual Authority. I love it. There's a statement in there that says, those who are not under authority have no right to exercise authority. How are you doing being under the authority of God? How are you doing being under the authority of your maker? If you're a parent in here, if you're a supervisor in here, if you're a boss in here, how well are you submitting under the lordship of Christ?
There's an African proverb that says this, the chief is a servant of all. What did Christ say? Those who desire to be first must be last. Point number four. Leaders, the key to leading well is to recognize that I too am a servant first. This goes for parents, business owners, bosses, supervisors. You've got to ask yourself, what would God say about how I'm living my life? Students, what would God say about how I'm living my life? What would God say about how I'm obeying my parents? What would God say about how I'm honoring my parents? Adults, what would God say about how you're honoring your parents? What would God say about how you're leading? Um, The Westminster Shorter Catechism has this statement, and what it is, is it's just kind of this Christian document that just gives some question and answers, like in, in order to teach people, you know, about faith and theology and doctrine and life and all of that. And the first question is this, in, this, in the shorter chasm, it says, what is the chief end of man? And the answer is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And so I would like to ask us, what is the chief end of my life here on earth then? I believe the chief end of how we live our life here is to honor God and live all life as worship. What would God say about the way we're living our lives? Don't ask society, don't ask friends, don't ask culture. I think we've got to get back to the point for all of us when we walk out of this room. It's to really evaluate how, what would God say about the way I've been living my life? What would God say about the way I've been working on my job? What would God say about the way I've been parenting? What would God say about the way I've been loving my my spouse? What would God say about the way I've been submitting under the leadership of, of, of the Lordship of Christ? What would God say about how I'm serving in the local church? How would God say, what would God say? And listen, don't allow this to be condemnation to you. I'm just going to leave you with this final text. It's it's not even text. It's a quote from um, Psychology Today. Because I don't want anybody here thinking, oh my gosh, God is going to condemn me because I've not been living the way he's been wanting to live. We're not supposed to live in condemnation. Romans 8.1 says, for there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But, But this statement has some really good nuggets. It says, approval varies on parental perception and child conduct. Remember, we are all servants of the living God. Sometimes you do better or worse than at other times. True. Love, on the other hand, is constantly anchored in parental commitment. It never varies. It does not have to be earned. I may not always like what you do, but I will always love who you are. Approval is conditional upon performance. Love is unconditionally given. Listen, God is going to get to a point, we're going to get to a point in in this world where we're going to stand before God and we're going to stand for his approval. 
But the one thing you will never have to ask or try to gain is going to be his love. God loves you just where you are. There's nothing more you could do than nothing better you can do to earn God's love. He loves you, but what he wants to do, he wants to say, well done, good and faithful servant. I've set you over a little. Now I'm going to set you over much. Enter into the joy of our Lord. And we all should desire to hear that. So if you are in here and you know maybe life has not been lived in the best possible way, you have not parented well, you've not loved well, you've not served well, you've not honored well, all heads about, all eyes are closed. I just want you to just take a moment and say, God, forgive me for allowing whatever to keep me from honoring you first being obedient to you first. Forgive me. I repent. And I want to follow you. I want to be under your approval. Not society, not peers, not friends, not even children. But under your approval first. And if there's anybody in here who does not or has never accepted that love of Jesus Christ. You know that maybe uh, your, your parents have not approved you, or your friends have not approved you, your life has not approved you, but today you're saying, listen, I accept the approval of God through Jesus Christ, saying that I am redeemed by his blood. That I don't need anything more from anyone else. All I need is Jesus Christ to stand in the gap between me and God. If today you want to experience that radical, reckless love of God, I want you to just slip your hand up real quick. Just slip your hand up and say, listen, I I just, Jesus, I want to follow you. I see your hand. I see your hand. God loves you. I see your hand. God loves you. There's nothing that you can do to be separated from his love. Now walk in him. God, thank you for the hands that have gone up. God, we seal them in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. It says, though your sins may be red as scarlet, they will be white as snow. These are your children. They've come home and they've said, Lord, I want, to follow. I want your approval. And Lord, I pray that today, because of their decision, you may tell them well done. They may walk out with their heads high knowing that they are approved by you. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at given.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more messages like this one.